No elaborate intro bit this week, guys. We're talking about a serious movie, and we are some serious film critics. I say as I take a sip of my serious whiskey here. Mm. Very serious. Very, very, Mu- very serious. Much, much, much serious. <clears throat> oh, and that went down the wrong way, guys. <clears throat> Give me a second. Okay. So here much, we are. Serious. <laughs> much, much serious. Much serious as I'm coughing up my lungs. <laughs> Eat your heart out, Leonard Balton. <laughs> well, guys, welcome to the Messed Up at Midnight podcast. We're the show that's just trying to find meaning in it all. I'm your host, Max Steele, and as always, I'm joined by the rootinest, tootinest cowboy on this side of the Mississippi. It's Michael Flaherty. Hey, my motto is, as always, be rootin', be, be shootin', but, but most of all, be kind. I thought you were about to go like be tootin', like all like you know, <laughs> it's always exactly be, always be, be ripping rip- ass, guys. <laughs> be tootin'. You best if I don't see some ass getting ripped after this episode airs. I'm it's gonna be a cold day in hell. That's uh... <laughs> go out and eat your fiber, guys. Take good care. Gut health is very oh, important. Absolutely. Drink some kombucha, eat some beans, like it's <laughs> The Mess of Midnight podcast is nothing if not very, very proactive on gut health. All the probiotics. Go drink some prune juice and let us know what happens. So, (laughs) so guys, the Mess of Midnight, what what do we say we call it? The hangover month? I don't think we ever really figured out what it is. but Hangover. The the, the hangover. The hangover trilogy. So, So, our own version of the hangover trilogy where we talk about actual good movies. So, you guys know, Mm -hmm. we've talked about drive we've talked about memento and you know it's kind of like okay you watch drive that's the one that kind of gets you introduced to movies and you watch memento something that's a little maybe a little bit more for seasoned film film people this one is no country for old men you for this one you definitely have to have a good number of films under your belt to truly sit down and get this one otherwise you're just not going to get it yeah yeah it's it's so interesting because i i i agree with you wholeheartedly on this that now this doesn't i i feel like this isn't us saying if you don't have film knowledge you're going to walk in and walk out and you won't understand it that's not how this works mm-hmm. but it's so but but it's what i feel like we're trying to say is when you have the like film knowledge and you've got that knowing what to look for, this movie gives you so much to work with. It is fantastic. The Coen brothers are just chef's kiss in this. Mm-hmm. It's great. And dude, the rewatchability of this movie too is absolutely insane. Dude, like it, I've seen, I think this is my third is time endless. watching it and I picked up something. New. It is, it is, it is endless man i swear it is like this is that's another thing about these movies for for like a hangover trilogy is that it just all of these movies you can go back to repeatedly and each and every time you're like you're like damn i didn't even know they did that or huh that's interesting i'm cool that they slipped that in it's it's so good yeah i don't think you're ever going to hear one of us talking about oh by the way you want to know what I watched? Th- I rewatched this past weekend. Reptilicus. Oh my god! 
Hey, hey, it's hey man, there's something to be said about that melted wax puppet just CGI eating a paper cutout of someone <laughs> that looks like a that looks like a flip book by someone by 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 the by lettered from memento in that it just repeats over and over again. So guys, this is also our first Western, well, neo-Western, so still kind of technically a Western. Our first Western we're talking about, but this one kind of goes against the tr- the typical tropes that you will see in a Western. You know, like in a classic Western, you got the white hat, you got the hero that's going to go out and prevail and save the day from the bad guys versus this movie. You'll mm-hmm. see what happens when we get into it. The whole aspect, there's like a whole aspect of fate versus chance with this movie. and. No Country for Old Men is what happens when you take the tropes of a noir and fuse them together with a Western and then mm-hmm. put behind the camera just the masterful fucking Coen brothers. Because holy it shit, is, these guys oh, did something amazing. It's so great. As someone who loves them a good Western, like Hang 'em High and the Dollars trilogy are always, always stuff I love to go back on that this this just scratched that itch. And then also like the whole neo-noir aspect mm-hmm. that I feel like has sort of been a running trend in the hangover trilogy that we've sort <laughs> of set up for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like with the memento and the drive and all of that. It's like it scratches that itch too. It's just, oh, there's just so much good stuff to this. So much. And we're gonna be getting into that good stuff, guys. I don't have too much of those like facts from behind the scenes like there, there are some that i sprinkled throughout but we're really not here to talk about those we're here to talk about the movie because got there was a lot with this movie so i'm just going to get right to it mike if this movie were a drink what would it be and why so okay i have a cocktail for this this is mm. this is the this is this movie is sophisticated this movie is sophisticated, but also something that you can view without a lot of prior knowledge on your back. Granted, you're rewarded if you have more understanding of the craft. But nonetheless, you can watch it pretty cold and just come out of it decently pleased. So I had to sit there and think, okay, what, what, is, a, what is a cocktail that will... That's sophisticated enough to where it's got layers and depth to it, but also attainable enough to where the average person isn't going to spit it out and go, ew, yucky. Like, so for that, an old fashioned is out of the picture, in my opinion, because an old fashioned is just you got you got to want it. You have to want it to. We did that. We did that last week, too. And and that is true. That is also one of the reasons. But I did not want to bring that up. But yeah, now that you did, we did that with we did that with Memento. And it felt unfair. So I am instead going with going with a Manhattan. But mm-hmm. because this is this takes place in Southwest Texas, parts of which are in Mexico, it didn't feel right to use whiskey. So instead of whiskey, I'm using extra añejo tequila. Now, añejo tequila for those that for those that are like uh, unknowing of tequila, it is tequila that has been aged in oak barrels for mm. over one year. 
So essentially tequila's lifespan, the tequila we all know and love when we go to clubs and do shots with uh, salt and lime, that's tequila that has been aged for like, I think for less than a year. I think it's like seven months or something like that. And then, oh no, that is, oh no. So that's tequila that hasn't been aged. That's just, that's just tequila that gets you drunk. It, there isn't really development for flavors or anything like that. The best kind of tequila for that is just tequila that doesn't burn. Mm-hmm. And then you have Reposado, which has been sort of aged for like six or seven months. And then you have Añejo. Añejo is the closest thing to whiskey. Mm-hmm. So I was so in my mind, this is an extra Añejo tequila because it's got that sophistication of Westerns and Noirs. But it's but it's got that sort of it's got the Javier Bardem's. It takes place in Southwest Texas and in northern Mexico. So that felt fitting. So I am picking an extra Añejo Manhattan, and that is two ounces of extra Añejo tequila, mm-hmm. half an ounce of uh, the the thing calls for sweet vermouth. I'm going for dry vermouth because this movie is anything but sweet. This no, movie no. is this movie is. This movie is not sweet. It's not for the faint of heart. This movie is really dry and it is straightforward. There's no there's no sugarcoating this. Quarter ounce of liqueur 43. It's a it's a Spanish flavored liqueur. It adds a little bit more depth to it. It's a little some extra tasting notes, if you will. Some Angostura bitters, some orange bitters, and then this calls for a maraschino cherry. I'm saying get rid of that. Mm-hmm. And that is the extra Añejo Manhattan No Country for Old Men style. There is no there's no sweetness. You've got depth, you have sophistication, but it's also nothing that I think anyone that everyone's going to nothing that people are going to openly scoff at. People will kind of just enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I I like that. I like that. I do. It takes everything like all the different elements of this movie, the environment, the, you know, Javier Bardem, and, you know, a little bit of that Western thing to it. And, you know, mm-hmm. throwing in some noir elements. Yeah. I, 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 I enjoy that one. I, exactly. I think yeah. mm-hmm. I, I'm going to put a pen in that one because mm. I went, I went another direction. I okay. went the classic Michael okay. Flaherty route. Mm. I went, I went with the situation. Because I was trying to think of like like a cocktail that like that that would embody this, but for some reason I I couldn't. But I kept Mm -hmm. going back to a situation. It's a it's a very simple drink, but a very particular situation. That's really the vibe that I can describe with this movie. Mm -hmm. This movie is no frills. There's barely any music. It's heavy on the introspection. And requires a level of agedness in your movie-going experience to really, like, appreciate. So, I'm going to set it for you, okay? You've been invited to your mentor's house for, you know, maybe he, was a, maybe he or she was a mentor for several years, you know, five, ten, you know, seeing mm-hmm. you grow up into the person that you're meant to be. Like, think of it like, like a coach, a teacher, a professional supervisor that you've developed a close relationship with, something like that. And a fire is lit. And you just hear the sound of crackling. And this mentor brings you a drink that you've never really had before. And that drink is scotch. But not your 
every liquor store in America scotch. This is that special order aged more than 15 years scotch, a triple digit mm-hmm. price. And I mean, I'm not just talking like, oh, like it's $110. No, no, no. I'm, I'm talking like $300, $300 single malt scotch, a nice, rich sipping scotch, very like earthy in flavor. And I'm sure some of my scotch, some people who really like are into scotch out there, will have, like when yeah. they hear that, they're like, yep, I have a scotch in mind. Oof. So, I, I'm always a little break 10, man. So you sit with your mentor talking about the days gone by, the times, how they're changing. And then they give you this bottle of fancy scotch. And after y'all are done sharing words, y'all sit there and y'all say nothing. But both of you know that this will be one of the last times that y'all see each other. And that's okay. Because y'all had this moment. Y'all have had the moments before. Y'all have had your ups. Y'all have had your downs. And that's all okay. And that's Mm -hmm. all that matters. And that's what I think embodies the no country for old man scotch situation. Damn. That's that's powerful. That hit that hit that hit me in the feels, man. Much like this movie. You never, you never expect to get your feels hit on the messed up at midnight podcast. Absolutely, absolutely. We are, we are nothing if not a three dimensional podcast. There is, <laughs> who, who ever thought that we could sit there and be talking about Leatherface, Leatherface's, Leatherface's power workouts right next to, right next to having, right next to touching moments with someone who really like helped you shape you into the person that you are today. It's, it's again three dimensional three-dimensional baby but no no i do enjoy that i do enjoy that cocktail that is that or that situation cocktail it very mm-hmm. encompasses the sort of that that sort of just in the momentness that occurs within the movie that there isn't and also like i i like that you mentioned the ups and downs part mm-hmm. because 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 i feel like that also particularly hits the movie in a really interesting way because the because there is plenty of there, it's a lot of downs in this movie, but it's mm-hmm. that sort of like Tommy Lee Jones characters, sort of ups and downs, but everything kind of just is. Mm-hmm. And that's all right. And I really, really, I, I dig that. I dig that. I think we both, I think we both hit the nail on the head with these. Dude, a- dude, absolutely. And guys, let's just, let's get right into it. I'm excited. Mike's excited. Let's get introspective up in this bitch. And let's talk. Mm-hmm. About no country for old men. So one of the first things that you're going to notice about this movie is how quiet everything is. When the title mm-hmm. card comes across, there's no music and it's bringing me in. Maybe the sound of, you know, a Texas field. And we get shots of scenery, a voiceover mm-hmm. by Tommy Lee Jones. He's talking about how he's a lawman and his father was too. And his father was too talking about the old timers. And now he himself is an old timer, an old crime. He testifies in about a kid. He sent to the electric chair and between these shots of scenery, we get to the side of the road. Javier Bardem is getting arrested and we see the sheriff put an oxygen tank in the back and Jones just continues to monologue about crime and being willing to die. Willing to die. 
And then the sheriff drives off with Javier Bardem and Tommy Lee Jones ends his monologue. Mike, Mm -hmm. what do you think about that opening? Fantastic. Fantastic. This, this is, this is really well done by the Coen brothers because it sets the tone in a fantastic way. It's, I, I feel like as a viewer, in the 21st century now this isn't me getting into this big like kids these days nonsense or bs like that but i feel like as a movie viewer the openings the opening part of a movie is critical to the movie as a whole like i feel like outside of outside of things like the climax or like other really pivotal moments within the story itself the opening credits scene, I would say, is arguably one of the most important scenes in a movie because for 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 at least for the creation aspect of it, because you need to set that you need to set the the uh, sort of tone of the movie. Prepare the prepare the viewer for what's to be expected, as well as sort of bring them into the world without making them feel alienated. And this is done perfectly because you talk because the whole monologue the tommy lee jones is painting this sort of moral grayness around being a cop and he's and he's talking about how maybe not wording it specific maybe not saying it outright but sort of almost almost implying that it felt like things were simpler as it as you went back and now it feels almost like the waters have been muddied to a degree. And then it's obviously open. Obviously the moral grayness is really like made apparent with the whole sending a kid to the electric chair thing, but it's just Mm -hmm. fantastic. And also you're introduced to the main antagonist without even knowing it. You're just sort of, you just sort of see this person get brought into the car and you're just like, I don't know who that is. But you do, you figure out who it is later on. And if you've seen, been on the internet, you and have like, you've likely seen a couple of the movie, a couple of the clips from the movie. So you sit there and recognize the antagonist, Anton Chigurh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I want to, I want to get to talking more about um, Tommy Lee Jones's monologue at the beginning and also his monologue at the end, at the end of this podcast, mm-hmm. just to kind of get in a little yeah. bit more philosophical discussion there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we then absolutely. go to the sheriff to the sheriff's department and the sheriff is he's talking to someone on the phone and we see Javier Bardem in the back. And what Bardem does is he just stands up so calmly, walks over to the sheriff and then chokes the sheriff with his handcuffs. And I mean, like blood's coming out of his neck. I mean, they're they're mm-hmm. that tight. Mm-hmm. And uh we and this is when we really see the dan- how dangerous Anton Chigurh is if not for anything that fucking haircut cuz oh my god he's he is it's he's, something. he's the he he has who would have i wouldn't have thought that Javier Bardem with the Karen haircut would be gen- would be not only not not silly but like intimidating as hell because mm-hmm. because any because like that's a i don't care how you go into this movie with your opinions on the haircut that is a defining care feature physical feature of anton mm-hmm. sugar that haircut 
the haircut, the I feel like it's the haircut, the haircut and the eyes. Because mm-hmm. you see the wild eyes, and that's really made apparent in this scene. But it's like, you watching Anton Sugar like, just like choke out the officer. It's just, it's set, it is, my God. Does it already, it brings you up to speed real fucking fast where this mm-hmm. guy stands on the moral compass scale. Because because the Cohen brothers make sure that Shiger's face is constantly in frame as it's happening. And the whole time, you don't see him going like, look, there's no face of desperation or like struggle or anything like that. It's literally just him blank face, just 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 mm-hmm. choking someone. It no, is I, holy it shit. It was a look. Like go look up, look up the look up look up that look up his face in that real quick. Um, but I did also want to mention, um, one again perform uh, Javier Bardem. What can we say about his performance? I mean, the dude made like Mike said made the care and haircut intimidating. And honestly, I feel like the Acad- the Academy saw that and was like, yep, he wins the Oscar for making that haircut fucking scary. And I saw another article when researching for this movie where it was from Business Insider, and they said that Anton Chigurh was the most realistic portrayal of a psychopath in a movie. And he's showing me... Uh, yeah, showing I'm me showing the opening the opening face of <laughs> Anton Chigurh. It's just... <laughs> but yeah, no, I also heard... I also remember reading that article. It's Anton Chigurh is... Like text is like the te- the most I forget what the what the hyperbole was, but it was something along the lines of the most realistic portrayal of a psychopath put put in media. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. the like it is not there is no fluff. No, well I could have done this differently. He is cold. He is uh, he is calculating. He does not care. It is there is it is. There's there's obvious like grandiosity associated with sugar that you can really see at towards the latter half of the movie. It's mm-hmm. yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> it, it's amazing. So Bart so Anton grabs his oxygen tank that I, I think I forgot to mention that he has one of those things. That's like his weapon of choice. And he hits the road. He's driving a cop car out on the big Texas roads. And he pulls over some guy. Anton comes out of the car and delivers just a very a terrifyingly calm performance from his first words of dialogue, asking this guy, like, hey, get out of your car. And the guy is like, oh, okay, well, like, what's going on here? And what Anton does is he takes the oxygen tank that has, like, a hose on the end of it, puts it up to the guy's forehead, and shoots him in the head, kind of like the the gun that they use for um, killing cattle. They just put which, it and fucking shoots them. Which I gotta say, if you're a listener to, of the, of the messed up at midnight podcast, uh, this cattle air gun killing description is uh referenced in the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie, which we also covered, but I don't know. I, guess, yeah, I guess we just yeah. love movies with this particular set of technology. Who, <laughs> Who would have thought? Who would have thought that this would be the technology that we would be focusing on? But no, it's it's just what I also like is from a movie filming perspective. 
and maybe it's just because I'm a sucker for this kind of like filming of like killing or like action or like killing someone on screen, but there's no like piano keys or like there's no hard cut. It's literally just he sticks it, he pulls it, the person falls down. That's it. Mm-hmm. Like there's, how, would, how it would be in real life. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There's no it feels I, I, I'm forgetting the term, but I think it's like cinema verite or something like that, mm-hmm. where it's you're not sugarcoating it. There's no there's no big grandiosity to it. All it is is just boop. It's it's as real as it can be. Mm-hmm. Very documentary like. Yeah. OK, maybe it's not documentary like, but it's very mm-hmm. realistic. Mm-hmm. So we cut Josh Brolin. He's in this movie, too, and he's gazing down a sniper rifle going deer elk hunting or one of those woodland creatures and he shoots one of them and then they all run off so brolin whose name is llewellyn moss walks through a field and looks at some blood on the ground presumably from the deer that he shot but then he spots a limping dog maybe it got to the deer who knows but then moss continues to walk when he sees a group of cars parked in the desert no it's not breaking bad I don't want to say unfortunately because this movie is very good, but no, no, it is. He not opens, he opens up the car door, and you just see Brian Cranston going, "Llewellyn, we need to cook." And then Josh Brolin and Brian Cranston smoke meth. <laughs> yeah, and Brian Cranston's like, "Hey, I got this idea. What if I paint myself purple and then just take out half of everything?" And Cranston's like, "Hell yeah, man! That sounds rad." He's like, say no more. <laughs> so I'm gonna go fight the entire Avengers. So Samoss heads over to the Samoss heads over Coming to the cars. Coming for your Chris Hemsworth. Samoss <laughs> heads over to the cars and spot and like I mean, it's a crime scene. Bodies are scattered everywhere, bullet holes are in cars. I mean, you, you get the works with this. But Moss comes across one guy who is alive and he's in a car. So Moss takes this guy's gun. And then refuses to give the dying man water because, well, he doesn't have any. So Moss mm-hmm. checks everywhere, checking the back of the truck and finds a shit ton of bricks of cocaine and is like, yo, where is the last man? And the dying guy just doesn't say anything. Moss is like, hey, fuck this. I'm going to head out. I'm going to, you know, we'll see if I find him. So Moss talks to himself in these fields as he's manhunting the last man. Moss thinks he'll find him in the shade, and you know, sure enough, he does. Moss finds a dead body under a tree and a briefcase filled with money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Moss does what any sensible person would do and thinks for a second. And then he says, finders keepers, and takes the money and just heads back to his truck. Dude, that's, that's, G, that's G code right there. He just sits there and he's like, all right, well, <laughs> this is mine now. I know you normally hear us say like, yo, we didn't see it, didn't happen. But I mean, I mean, in this situation, like it, it, it's, it's right there. Some, it's, it's, it's kind not of, you it's, than who. Exactly. It's kind of sitting there just like you just see it and you just it, it's like, oh, my God, here's what it is. Is it's very similar to those like, what would you do in the in like scenario X? Where it's mm-hmm. like all those reports of like people finding like a thousand dollars on the ground and then re- reporting it in, mm-hmm. and how everyone's like, "What a fool! I would keep that money." This is literally just that situation, but just amped the hell up. Like, 
This is that situation, and it shows you why you shouldn't do that. <laughs> Absolutely. It's why you should call it in and be like, hey, I found this. <laughs> and just, and just, or just, hey, or just sit there and just exercise a lot of willpower and just leave. <laughs> or just like take skim the top section off and just leave. Yeah, exactly. Like if you take like, you know, $10,000, no, you know, $10,000 out of like 2 million, uh, you know, it's like, it's yeah, exactly not the worst thing that could happen. Yeah. It's yeah. You know, whoever's going to find that's probably gonna be like, ah, glass half full. We found like 1.9. So, and you're like, <laughs> there we go. Exactly. You found 1.9. So yeah, you get the briefcase, then it's night. So Moss heads back to his trailer, and inside the trailer is Carla Jean, his wife, presumably. And she's asking Moss a bunch of questions. What's in the bag? Where you been? All, you know, all that typical shit. And Moss just doesn't say anything like a fucking G. So later mm-hmm. in the night, Moss tries to sleep, but he can't. He's feeling guilty for not giving the guy water. So he's like, oh, son of a bitch. I, you know, I guess I got to then. So... Moss is like, hey, I know this is going to be a bad idea, but I got to do this. Then Carla wakes up and starts asking questions like, hey, where are you going? Moss is like, if I don't come back, tell um, tell mother I love her. And she said, Moss, your mother is dead. Moss is like, well, I, I guess I'll tell her myself then. So, yeah, he just that's a that's a you know, that's a great that's a great thing to hear when your significant other is going to. Go out That's, somewhere at like just, two a.m. My favorite thing is my favorite thing is how how like how like with it Carla is like. I feel like most people turning their significant others been like, if I don't come back, tell my mother I love her. Scratch that, she's dead. I'll tell her myself. Like most people would be like, well, wherever you're going, and you're no longer going there. If I have anything to say about it, <laughs> versus like. Crystal's like, hell, not not in this scenario. Carlos like Carlos like, word up, dog. I'll I'll keep I'll keep it real. And you're like, like, damn Carlos, there's no fighting here. Like, yeah, he'll be fine. She must know something that like we don't about Moss. Maybe he's like a fucking killing machine. They're like, okay, yeah, he'll be fine. <laughs> Moss murderer. Moss murder. <laughs> No, I'm not going to go down that bit. This is a serious movie, guys. <laughs> Absolutely. Sorry. <laughs> so, so Moss heads back to the field at night. Um, how he could find his way around, you know, these Texas fields at night. I just I have no idea. So he goes back to where the cars and the trucks were with plenty of water. But something isn't right. The guy who wanted the water is dead. But then Moss turns and sees silhouettes of two cars and people watching him from above. So Moss is like, that wasn't there before, and he nopes like right behind the car. The silhouette slashes tires, and then he starts getting shot at. So Moss is like, I gotta just run. He tries running away, but you know, he and he tries to run away as a truck is chasing after him. And I'm like, okay, no, obviously he can't outrun a truck, but then holy shit, he fucking does. He outruns a truck. My man's got wheels. <laughs> He's moving. <laughs> fucking moving. Either that or the truck is just going like super slow. It's like going like, I don't know, like five miles an hour, just just right behind them. Yeah, it's it's very like maybe it's like maybe it's like bumpy terrain and like the car. They're they're like they're like, oh, shit, we got to drive at like five miles an hour or else like we'll flip off. And like he as a result, like he's like keeping keeping pace. 
but like it just I don't know. It looks like it just looks like Josh Brolin has fucking wheels because there's just a car behind him just moving. Fast as fuck, boy. He's <laughs> like eat your heart out, Sonic. <laughs> so Moss ends up getting shot. And then he finds a river nearby and starts swimming. But then dogs are chasing him. And the dogs can even swim. That's oh, scary. No. And they're barking. They're like, you know, doing all that shit. Moss makes it to land, preps his gun just in time to shoot the dog as it lunges towards him. Mm-hmm. R.I.P. to Biscuit. R.I.P. Biscuit. God, but God, but not forgotten. I'm just I'm just in my mind. I'm just playing like the like the uh, See You Again song that they did for Paul Walker in Period 7. <laughs> just, just that one dog in that one scene. It's just going to be that exactly, just, dude. What if the movie just over and over again? What if the movie just cuts off of you here? Oh, <laughs> that's the dog is lunging. <laughs> so now we cut to daytime. Moss is treating his wounds, but then we cut to uh, Texaco or some shit i don't know it, i was getting vibes of like that same gas station from the texas chainsaw massacre but also like not at all if you know what i'm saying <laughs> it's exactly it's it's hey it's last chance gas under new management this is what this is what happens like you know when when the the sawyers just got kicked out and then just this guy i don't even know i don't even know what his <laughs> just name some, what's his name, I think uh, his name is, i'm pretty sure his name is like actually manic counter yeah, that that sounds about right. Gas station proprietor. Okay, that that, that that's who yeah, it is. that's it. That is what it is. That is, it is what it is. So this is the scene that like everyone knows from this movie. Mm-hmm. Anton is buying gas. Gas station attendant trying to make you know that friendly small talk, but it's just not working. And the classic line: "What's the most?" you've ever lost in a coin toss. <laughs> I mean, Freaky. dude, like, Freaky. That, like this, this right here is the scene where Javier Bardem, like he, he, he absolutely killed it. This, this is when Anton Chigurh it was is, made. Absolutely. Cause, cause up until this point, like Chigurh, you were like, you were like, he's a bad dude. He is a bad dude. He is, Man, he is badass. Not badass. Not badass. He is. He's anything but. He is just bad. Just bad. Bad. But here, shouts out to Javier Bardem. This mm-hmm. scene alone deserves an deserves Javier Bardem an Oscar. Mm-hmm. Like, if not the whole movie, just just as like icing on top. Because you watch this, and if you have pro no prior knowledge of this scene. You just walk out of this scene just going, oh, my God. Oh, whoa. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Because it's just, yeah, it's just Anton Chigurh is the coldest, cold-blooded killer. And another reason it's so chilling is because, I mean, we've seen Anton actually, like, we saw him kill people. Like, we know what he is capable of. But even... Like just watching this scene by itself, his performance so it, it radiates like that. I'm going to kill you, energy. Not I'm going to fuck you mm-hmm. up. No, no, no. This is 
I am going to kill you. Yeah, it's 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 very interesting. It's very interesting because it's it feels like the I'm because like uh, I'm trying to think back uh, the most recent I'm going to kill you energy person I can think of is Leatherface in Texas Chainsaw one. Mm -hmm. Like the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie, because that also had I'm going to kill you energy. And you know what? Befitting to this movie, it's two sides of the same coin. Because it because one is one is unhinged, like. Like, no, there's no thoughts mm -hmm. like there's no there's no thoughts at all. Like, and it's just just someone who's crazy versus the other side, which is someone who has so many thoughts and all of them are intrusive mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's very calculating. And just like it is. It's so. Just so fascinating, just so, so interesting and so yeah. crazy. Yeah, it's amazing what one man's eyes can tell you just in mm -hmm. one frame. And that's what Dude. Javier Bardem accomplishes Dude. with this the, scene. So, the, oh my God, him. his eyes stare into my soul. At least his eyes are sugar. Like, my God. So, anyways, you all know this. Go watch this scene. It's a classic. I, I can't really say too much more about it that hasn't already been said. So, yeah. Back at the trailer. Carla, Carla Jean comes out to see Moss underneath the trailer. So then Moss comes inside and is like, and he, Moss is like, hey, things are about to go down. Carla's just sitting there just like, what the fuck is going on? And Moss is like, hey, you just do it. Like someone's looking for me. Like some, some shit's about to go down. So then cut to a Texas field. Anton rides up with two other people to look for money at a car site. At the car site, by the way, it's night now. The two men give Anton some gadget. It's like a tr it's a tracking device, and Anton is just like, "Hey, thanks for this," and then he promptly shoots the both of them. And I'm like, "Okay, yeah. that, that he he has some he has some strong feelings about this, so we're just gonna <laughs> just just let, just 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 let him work through those things. Um, just don't just don't come here, please. Don't come here. Just we, yeah, we, just we stay out of his way." You. Stay, stay out of his way. We cannot help you. <laughs> so next scene. This is the first time that we see Tommy Lee Jones as Ed Bell. He is that his actual name? Ed Tom. Ed Tom Bell. Yeah, Ed Bell. Silvers. Yeah, Ed Bell. So Ed goes to. Um, he's loading up his horse trailer and he drives off, and he goes to the Texas field where there's a car on fire. Wendell. Another sheriff is like, well, here it is. And it's the old police car that Anton had stolen at the beginning of the movie. Or, yeah, 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 at the beginning of the movie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Ed and Wendell ride horses through the field and look for clues till they come across Moss's truck. And Ed's like, oh, yeah, 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 I, I, know, I know this car. I know, who, I know who owns this. So they continue to ride through the site. They find bullet casings. They do find the dead bodies that Anton had shot yesterday. And, you know, the dead bodies from the drug deal gone wrong. And they're also looking for some money. Where is this all going to lead? Next scene. Anton walks up to Moss's trailer. That was fast. So mm -hmm. he uses the uh, Anton uses the oxygen tank and he uses that. He shoots the lock off of the door and then just kind of makes himself at home in Moss's trailer. Like he gets the <laughs> mail, looks around the bedroom, even sits on the couch and drinks a, 
a big bottle of milk. Not, not even out of the glass. He, I mean, this man is truly making himself at home. He is. The, you know what? <laughs> Scratch the gas station scene. Him drinking milk straight from the straight from the glass bottle in another man's home. That's what made me go. He's out. He's out of his mind. He is out of his mind. <laughs> no, 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 no. For me, it was when he poured his milk first and then the cereal. That's what got oh. me. <laughs> <laughs> All these scenarios just to say, my God, what an animal. <laughs> what, what an animal. So, and we do, and I want to mention this. We get a shot. <clears throat> excuse me. We get a shot of um, Anton. Anton's reflection in the TV. You'll see what you, I wanted to mention that. I'll mention it later. So Anton goes to the front desk um, of the trailer park and is like, hey, where's Moss? And she's like, legally, I can't tell you that. So he's like, all right, bet. So he just fucking dips. So next scene, Moss loads up Carla Jean into a Greyhound. And Moss says like, hey, I'm heading to Del Rio. And then he leaves the Greyhound. Mm-hmm. Next Wendell and Ed enter Moss's trailer and Ed finds the door lock, you know, the one that Anton had shot off. And, uh, yeah. oh, and it also turns out that, uh, Anton left Moss's milk out just to, you know, I don't know, fucking expire. And that's like the, he would make the worst fucking roommate, bro. Dude. Oh, dude. Oh, imagine having to solve roommate problems with Anton being like, Hey, Anton, you, um, you didn't uh, clean clean the uh, you, you left you left the you left the eggs out and now they've now they've gone bad. And, and then Anton just, just like just like coldly just turns only his head at you, and you're like, you know what, Anton, it's all good. I'll 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 put him away when you leave him out. And he just like just like 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 a like a robot just turns his head back, and you're like, okay, all right, I'm, he's not gonna strangle me in my sleep. Like hey hey Anton um I really need you to like I don't know do the dishes you know you, you're kind of piling up and then he just picks What's up the, the oxygen us. <laughs> he just pick, he just picks up the oxygen tank and just like you're like okay never never mind never mind yeah exactly you just sit there and go hey Anton can you clean the dishes and he just turns and says it's the most you ever lost in a coin to us and you're like and you're like all right Anton I you know what scratch that. I'll clean the dishes. Forget I asked. I don't want to do your coin toss. It's all good. It's all good, man. It's all good. So getting away from Anton being our roommate. Now, now um, Ed is sitting down and drinking the milk for some reason. And he, you know, they're talking, you know, he's seen the same things I've seen and it's made an impression on me. He's Ed talking about Moss and we get a parallel shot between Anton and Ed. So you know how I mentioned earlier when Ant- when we see Anton's reflection in the TV, it's that same shot, but this time with Ed instead. We'll get into that. We'll get into we'll get into mm-hmm. more than nitty gritty later. So next scene, Moss gets a motel room and he's getting situated. He he stores the money in the AC vents in the room after he you know took some money out you know for groceries and things. And, you know, he stores it all the way in the back of the vent. Like, he has to use a stick and all to push it back there. So what does Moss do? He shuts, he adjusts the curtain a certain way, and then he heads out. Next scene, Anton's at a payphone calling someone about Moss. And then next scene, Moss is at a cowboy boot store, which is 
particularly Texan. I would say so. He's mm-hmm. you know get, yes. getting getting some cowboy things. So Absolutely. Moss is in. So Moss is in a taxi heading back to the motel, and when he gets there, he notices that his curtain isn't quite the same as it was before. So Moss is like tells the driver like, "Hey, keep on keep on doing laps around the parking lot." So he develops suspicion about staying there. So he's like, "All right, you know what? Fuck this. I'm gonna go stay somewhere else." Taxi driver's like. What what the fuck? But Moss slips him a hundred dollars, and he's like, "All right, say no more. We're going." My favorite so, thing is my my favorite thing is as as he's like as him and the cab driver are like like just just spinning the block, I guess. Like the whole time, the whole time, like Brolin's character is like doing the lookout and going like, "Oh my god, oh my god, things are going wrong." You see the cab driver going, "Hey man, I don't I don't want any part of what's going on. Can I just?" <laughs> How about we just let let you out here? I'm I'm good. <laughs> I'm just like, damn this this poor sob. He, he's just like, bro. I I just do this for the paycheck and the tips. Like that. That's it. I don't want to get involved in any shit. Like, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. But yeah, no. He slips in one hundred. So he slips in one hundred. Next scene. I wanted to mention this. Anton is driving and then shoots a random crow for literally no reason. Just for us to see that he is a bad guy. <laughs> animal cruelty. Animal cruelty makes anyone a bad guy. Y'all hear that? So Absolutely. next scene. Ed is eating breakfast when Wendell comes in and says, hey, um, can't find a bullet at that scene about the two bodies that Anton killed. And Ed's like, hey, that don't make no sense. We need to look into that. So. All right. They're going to they're going to go look into it. They are, in fact, looking into it. (laughs) The next scene, Moss goes to a gun store. Then a camping store. And he's just going out and doing all of his just like, I don't know, Texan errands, I guess. He's got he goes to the camping store as a Texan. (laughs) This is the normal. This is normal shit that I assume all Texans do, you know? Yeah, you have to go get your guns. Get your tent. Get many poles for said tent. Get go on, get go on get, a, get a pair of horseshoes. Get some horseshoes. Maybe get some get some barbecue that's just obscenely large for you. Like maybe maybe get a maybe get an A and M like hoodie. Texas. I'm sure you've been kicked out of Texas by now. I. I don't know. We'll we'll see when we we're, go there. We're banned every we're banned everywhere except except Plano. <laughs> Where is Plano? Isn't that like is that like the smallest town in Texas? I don't know. That'd be Newt, Texas. Newt, Texas. Good old Newt, Texas. <laughs> so back at back at um um Moss's motel room, he's like MacGyvering some shit, <laughs> and then he goes. He's like MacGyvering some like. I don't know, hook with the tent poles and shit. So Moss goes to the front desk of the motel and he asks for another room in addition to the one he already has. Yeah. And the lady's like, why? I, I mean, sure, I'll I'll do it. Um. So yeah, Moss goes to his new motel room and he is planning something. Mm-hmm. So next scene, Anton is driving and the gadget he has starts blinking and making noise. Anton drives into the parking lot of this motel and we get intercuts between Anton driving and scenes of Moss building something. 
So Anton's closing in on the money. He backs up and finds the exact room that the money's in. And Moss is in his room, cutting up coat hangers. Anton gets a room, I guess not to arouse suspicion. Mm. Moss has built like a giant, you know, fucking grab it hook or something. And then we just get more intercutting between Moss and Anton. And Anton pulls out a shotgun in his room with the fucking world's largest silencer on it. It's like and an it, oxygen it tank. It's it's crazy. Anton just sits there and pulls out his like shotgun and you're like, you're like, all right, Anton. You're like, all right, cool, cool, cool. We're pulling out the gun. And then just, this silencer on, it looks like he strapped an oil canister to it. Like, it obviously looks way more professional than those oil can silencers, because I know those are things. But, like, it is that huge. You're like, damn, dude, are you trying to make it, like, you're, like, trying to make it, it's going to sound like a BB gun at this point. Like, good lord. <laughs> Yeah, this thing is like I don't know what the what the best way to like describe. It looks like that thing at like the bank that you, you know, put your money in, then it shoots up away. It looks like he's got that. Oh my god, it was a pneumatic his... tube, a pneumatic tube. <laughs> he just he just shoots his gun, and then the pneumatic tube just takes it just somewhere in the United States. <laughs> what if no no no? What if it's just a potato launcher? Just a what if Anton? <laughs> <laughs> he just has a potato gun and like you just see Llewellyn running and he just shoots a potato gun and it hits and hits Llewellyn in the throat. He's like, <laughs> dude, bro, I'm sure I'm sure at a at like point blank range, you could fuck somebody up with a potato gun like straight to the so, face. Dude, dude, I feel like you can just fuck someone up with a potato gun if you shoot it right. Like, <laughs> Guys, do y'all have any uh, potato gun memories? Let us know on our social media. Um where wherever instagram twitter you you guys know you guys know where we are you know this hell yeah you are you already know so yeah uh anton pulls pulls out a shotgun with the largest silencer and the oxygen tank and then he walks outside somewhere so moss is trying to hook the money and we also see that anton isn't wearing shoes why is that do you want to answer this now or do you want to talk about it later Ooh. Let's answer it later. Let's answer it later. So Anton finds one of the rooms that he thinks the money's in and blows into it. And it's not Moss. It's another group of people. And one of them has a gun. And of course, firefight ensues. Moss is like, yo, what the fuck is that sound? Anton kills like three to four people in this motel room who are apparently there to ambush moss themselves to get the money so yeah they all die there's one scene where anton's like in the bathroom and he finds a guy behind like a uh the shower curtain and he points the gun but then he closes the shower curtain and then shoots the guy he has he already has the gun in and he just closes Mm -hmm. it turns away and then shoots the guy yeah so so yeah, Anton checks that like he looks around. He then checks the air vents and nothing is there except for like a claw marking on the steel. So next scene. Moss is in a car with someone who picked him up as a hitchhiker. I thought those were dead, but I I guess it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. Yeah, like I thought I thought Nubbins drove all hitchhikers away from Texas, but I mean apparently not if the rest of Texas Chainsaw Massacre is anything to look at. Yeah, exactly. Apparently they just got dumber. So next scene. 
we're at a big skyscraper in an office, and Woody Harrelson is here. I I straight up did I straight up forgot he was in this movie. Yeah, right. Right. I 100% forgot that he plays a decently important role in this movie. Yeah, it's just one of the, like, I mean, I guess we all think of like Anton Chigurh as the main guy. But then like when we turn like, oh, shit, Woody Harrelson, you're here, too. Cool. You know, like, good on you, bud. Good on you. Good to see you're getting in good stuff. Hell yeah. So yeah, Woody Harrelson's taught whose name is uh, Carson Wells in this is talking to some um, federal agent type. And they're, he, they've hired Carson to hunt down Anton. So Carson goes on about how dangerous Anton Chigurh is. Apparently news travels fast because these guys already are like, hey, three guys are dead in the motel. Um, uh, so yeah, uh, Woody Harrelson is here. So next scene, Moss is getting another motel room. And there's also a cat in this scene. Thought I'd mention it. Because cats are great. So Moss yeah. tells the front desk worker, uh, hey, can you let me know if anyone else uh, checks in? I got someone looking for me. Moss is just into some like sketchy, sketchy shit. You know, it's, first he sketches yeah, up the taxi driver, then it's this motel guy. And he's like, Moss, you just need to like go to a small town and just lay low for a little bit. That's yeah, that is that is a very interesting thing, which honestly, I feel like plays better to the movie. To where Moss is, you see Moss growing increasingly, like, before things really kick off. I mean, after after he's already being hunted, but before things really, like, combine into this big thing, Moss is, grows increasingly paranoid. You just mm-hmm. see Moss, like, st- initially he's like, hey, I'm spending the night at a different motel. Now he's getting different locations. And he just... It just gradually increases in his paranoia, which is just such a cool attention to detail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he. So what happens is he goes to his room and he tries to sleep, but he can't. As usual, he opens up the briefcase of money and he's like, "Something, something's not right." So Moss goes hunting through the fat stacks and finds the tracking device. Oh shit. Moss picks up the phone and calls the front desk only to hang up immediately after and then looks under the cracks of the door and then gets his gun and waits and waits mm-hmm. and turns the light and turns the lights off and waits so tense so dude, it, it gets so, so dude it's like you we know what's coming we know dude, what is I, like right behind the corner every dude every part every ounce of me the whole time this scene was going on. The, every part of me was just clenching, just going like, oh my God, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? This is one of those like classic butthole quivering scenes that we mentioned. Dude, that ab- just absolutely. Dude, it is, dude, it is, it is a butthole clenching scene if I have ever fucking seen one. And what makes it even more tense is we hear the receiver in the distance beeping. See shadows of feet underneath the door, and they disappear. And the light outside turns off. Then we panned up to the handle of the door, and then it goes shooting off, and it's just like a gasket just exploded. 
it gets you know we're we're frantic now and there's not even any music to drive it mm-hmm. that's how good yeah. this movie is oh my so, god moss is like fuck this pulls a sally and yeets herself out of the window then <laughs> runs up to the front desk and the front desk worker isn't there but the cat's still there so i don't know good for anton i guess yeah exactly exactly anton he's he's got principles He's got like he'll he'll shoot a crow, but not a cat. Exactly. Not going to pretend like I understand, but birds aren't real. Nothing is real. So Moss runs through an alley. (laughs) We're all we're all just we're all just simulations, guys. Moss runs through an. We're in the Matrix. Neo. (laughs) Neo. Morpheus is here. So Moss runs through an alley, but gets like clipped by the silencer shotgun by Anton. Moss hides, but a vehicle approaches from the distance. Moss jumps in front of the truck and the driver just, oh, I don't know, lets him in. And then the driver gets done in by a bullet. So they just killed another random person for fucking nothing. So Mm -hmm. Moss starts driving the car while it's getting shot at. All the windows are out. Then he crashes the car. Moss runs behind another car and watches the reflection of a window. He's watching Anton. So Anton approaches the crashed car. He's putting two and two together when Moss shoots him, shoots at him. Moss takes Anton's gun. Moss tracks the blood, but can't find him. And um, yeah, so next scene. Moss is driving to a gas station or somewhere where he walks across the street to the Mexico border. And Moss runs in to three random guys just out for a night on the town. Mm-hmm. And these three guys look at Moss, who's, you know, battered, bloodied, probably has a broken bone. And they're like, mm-hmm. were you in a car accident? <laughs> Moss looks at them and is like, I'll give you $500 for that jacket. <laughs> and also, and I also want that beer. Power move. I guess I, that's that's great. These guys are such have such genuine concern. They're like, oh, 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 my God. Are you are you OK? Did you do you do you need medical attention? And he goes, beer in your jacket. <laughs> Five hundred. They're like, OK. Well the, well, the best part is like the best part is like the guy like he's like, hey, I'll give you five hundred dollars for that jacket. And takes the jacket and is like, what about um, uh, Moss is like, I'll take that beer. And he's like, oh, how much do you want for the beer? And his friends are just like, bro, just give him the fucking beer. Yeah, no, no, dude, I dude, I totally empathized with that friend there for a second. Because I was like, I was like, bro, look at him. Just give him the beer. He needs it more than we do. Like, I've, if I ran into a person a like that. Yeah, if I ran into a person who was covered in blood, gave me five hundred dollars for a jacket, was also like, "Hey, can I have the beer too?" I'd be like, "Yeah, dog, you just take it, man. You obviously need it more than I do." So Moss wa- continues to walk with just. Oh, by the way, he's got the briefcase full of money, and Moss is like, "Yo, you know what? This has caused me too much trouble. Fuck this. I don't need it." Chucks it over into the Rio Grande, and then throws up. Like with disgust for himself. I don't know. He just fucking throws up. So Moss walks right past border control. Or border patrol. Sorry. They do nothing. Next <laughs> I like border. No, my border favorite control. thing is before you sit there and say, before you sit there and go like they do nothing. 
They do the most not my job, not my problem. They see this guy covered in blood just hobble across the border. And the guy opens up his eyes and is like, "Mm mm-mm. And he just closes his eyes. He goes, didn't see it. Didn't see it. Not that. Nope. Not me. But these are the people whose jobs are to see it, you know? That is true. That is true. You know what? He didn't didn't do his job, but for the sake of what's going on currently, I got to say, shouts out to him. Because he would have just gotten a hole in his head if he, like, put up any ounce of a question. This man chose life. So, next day, Moss is woken up by a mariachi band, because Moss slept on the street, and they're, like, playing music, and it's like, oh, and then, he pay, then he pays the mariachi band in blood money. So, next scene. Anton is in his car, um, prepping, like, clothes and cotton balls for something, and, uh, oh, by the way, he's walking with a limp now. Mm-hmm. Anton walks past a blue car, like, he walks up to a blue car. Puts a piece of cloth in, in its fuel tank, then lights it on fire, and insert the cool guys don't look at explosions trope that we've heard a million oh, times. Yeah. And as he's limping into this like convenience store, we see a car explode behind him. And mm-hmm. okay, he he got his distraction that he wanted because <laughs> he goes in, walks behind the counter, and just gets just whatever drugs that he needs, and then just fucking leaves. <laughs> Every scene that Anton is in, it is just the most cold-blooded thing on the planet. Like, and it's not like, man, he's so badass cold-blooded. It is like, my God, this guy is, this guy is psychotic. This guy is utterly psychotic. Because I feel too often, like, the, like, the, like, cold-blooded thing is most commonly attributed to, man, he's badass as hell. And you're like, in this situation, you do not look at Anton in any fashion, or you should not. And mm-hmm. and go, man, he's badass. Like I just I just saw him just water it after not looking at the explosion, steal all the drugs, and then just leave after blowing up a car and was like, Jesus, he every scene he's in, he is just unhinged. He is he just is, completely unhinged. He is not a good person. So back at the motel room, um, Anton's motel room, he lays out plastic, cuts open his shirt, and starts taking a bath and Holy shit, his leg is all fucked up from, like, getting in his dog bite with moss last night. So he mm-hmm. cleans his wound, removes shrapnel, and is just, you know, sitting fully nude on a toilet while he performs surgery on himself. And after a nice bath, Anton injects himself with, he injects the wound with, some, I don't fucking know, steroids or some shit. I, I, thought it's, I thought it was, like, lidocaine or something like that. I don't know. In my, in my mind, I see Anton Chigurh as just the epitome of, like, roid rage. Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. No, no, it's a, it's a lidocaine. It was lidocaine. It's a skin okay. numbing. Okay, yeah. Okay, so, so steroids. Um. So next scene, Ed is yeah. in his office talking to a woman about license plate on some cars. Ed says he's going to go see Carla Jean Moss before he sees a guy driving a truck and is like, "Hey, what's going on?" Ed pulls this guy, this uh, truck guy over who's moving dead bodies for the sheriff's department. I guess. And something wasn't quite right with it. So next scene, Moss is in like a hospital and Woody Harrelson's waiting there with flowers. And they wax Mm -hmm. poetic about Anton and how dangerous he is. Moss talks about his retired life and his old job of being a welder. And apparently both Moss and Carson were in 
Vietnam. So Carson says, you know what? Hey, give me the money. Um, give me the money. And he's like, I, and Moss is like, I can't. I spend it all on whores and whiskey, which, sure, is awesome. Lie. Which is not true. So Carson says, um, you know, Anton could be on the way to, you know, kill your wife. Moss is like, yo, he needs to be afraid of me. And Carson is just like, lol. That- that's funny. <laughs> I, it is. It is so great during this exchange when, like, uh, when they're sort of explaining how Anton Sugar truly is. Like, he is just a force mm-hmm. of nature. He is this. He is this inhuman, just like psychotic person who just walks around and does things. And how, <laughs> how like Lou Ellen or Josh Brolin's character uh, tries to sit there and be like. I'm badass too. I could, I could, I could rough someone up. And Woody Harrelson's like, dude, I respect the hustle. You are not on his level. <laughs> like, damn, damn, Woody, you're really putting him down like that. Huh? He was trying. He was trying to pipe himself up. Maybe he was. He was. He, he was just trying so hard. So next scene, Ed's meeting with Carla Jean at a diner, and Ed explains like, hey, here's what's going on with Moss. Ed talks about, you know, man versus animal. They use an air gun Mm -hmm. to kill them, kind of like the way that Anton uses an air gun. And this dialogue just has layers and like so many layers that I just I can't just write them all down. So it is it it puts an onion to shame. God damn. Dude, this dialogue is thick. So anyway, like anyways, like the point of his message is like, hey, if Moss calls, tell him to talk to Ed. So next scene. Carson's at the Mexico border. He thinks he found where the money could be, and he does find it. So next scene, Carson returns to his hotel, and in the background, we see Anton approaching him. Carson turns around, sees Anton, and Anton says, let's go to your room. So Carson and Anton sit across from each other. Anton points the gun at him. Carson tries to reason his way out of this by saying, hey, I know where the money is. Anton is like, I know where the money will be. It'll be brought to me. Anton just speaks in there speaking just so softly, but with intensity. Like it is dead silent, but just the dialogue. It's just shit. This is another, this is like the, oh. I would say this is like the second most notable scene from this movie. Yeah. Just because of how yeah, this bone is, chilling this is definitely it is. The second. It is, it is just, you, Oh my god. It is just you're watching Anton just 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 sort of you're watching him just function. Mm. It's very interesting because up until this point you've seen him just sort of do power moves essentially mm-hmm. in in all different kinds of manners. Not that that's a bad thing or anything like that. It's just you haven't seen him just speak to someone outside because I don't I wouldn't count the gas station scene as him just doing a general normal conversation because it still felt like he was doing this very sort of like I'm the boss person was someone who's clearly out of his league. Mm-hmm. Whereas now it's someone who's very in his league, someone who's just as good as him that he's caught and they're having a conversation. And it's just interesting because he, it really cements at least to me that Anton is someone who does not is not someone who's reasoned with. You can't talk Anton off the ledge. Anton is the ledge. 
Like it's and, and people try to yeah. talk him off the ledge, but like we'll see how that goes later. So the phone mm-hmm. rings. Mm-hmm. It startles us. And barely flinching, Anton shoots Carson. That's the end of that scene. Well, not not yep. quite. We see him. After he shoots, the phone continues to ring. We see blood pouring towards Anton, but he lifts his boots up so he doesn't get blood on them. Mm-hmm. Anton goes to pick up the phone. It's Moss. Is Carson there? Not in the sense that you think. So Anton tells Moss to come talk to him, and Anton infers that he's going to go see Carla Jean and kill her unless Moss brings Anton the money. Moss is just like, okay. Oh yeah, I'll come bring you something. So next scene. Ed and Wendell talk about the three dead guys. Ed's like, yeah, they died of natural causes, natural with the way their life is. Ed talks about Mm -hmm. like, you know, like a social security murder scam that he saw on the news and, you know, more old man talking to young man. Yeah. So next scene. Yeah. Moss is dealing with border patrol. This border patrol agent is, has like, I don't know, big Republican dad energy dating his daughter. That's like the type of shit he's given off. So Moss, long story oh, short, yeah. Moss gets through only wearing a hospital gown and he goes by um, another Texan store to buy new clothes. And he, he does find the briefcase full of money. And then he calls Carla Jean and they talk about the sheriff visiting. Moss explains the situation. Moss says that, hey, I'll give I'll give you the money while I deal with Anton. So, you know, we can at least have it. So next scene, Anton enters the office that Carson was in earlier and he shoots that a uh, DEA FBI agent type that Carson was talking to. And then this other accountant type is there, too. And he just has the most blase reaction to a man getting shot. So. Anyways, mm-hmm. Anton and this guy talk, and um, yeah. So next scene, Carla Jean and mom. By the way, her mom's a char- uh, mom's a character too. They are being driven somewhere, but they are being followed by the cartel. So mom and Carla Jean are unloading when one of the cartel members comes up and starts talking to the mom. Keep in mind, they don't know who these people are. Mom lets it slip where they're going. This is a lesson. Don't talk to strangers at an airport, kids. Absolutely. Absolutely. You don't let them know what you're doing, where you're going, any of that. None of that nonsense. It's all, it's all, where are you going? Away. Somewhere. Where to? Somewhere. (laughs) Be a dick. Protect yourself. So Carla calls Ed. Carla tells Ed where Moss is going. And then we go to Anton. He's on the side of the road. Let me go back to my notes, guys. I fucking lost my place again. Oh, amateur hour here. The the shift just fucking happens sometimes, you know, and you got, you really (laughs) got to roll with the punches with these things. Cause sometimes, dude, one of these days I'm going to be like doing a podcast and then I'm accidentally going to delete my notes and I'm just going to be like, Oh, all right, here we go. I'm just, just going with it. <laughs> and, you're just gonna, and you're just like, it's just it's just going to be the Ice Pirates podcast all over again, where it's just, OK, all right. So shit occurs. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Things happen. And um, I don't know, pretty much what I, what I think I would just do is like, I don't know, pull up a Wikipedia synopsis or some shit and just figure it out as I go. Still, I still love 
still love the Ice Pirates podcast. It is the I'm most chaotic, chaotic shit we've ever done. <laughs> you guys love it when we when when we're chaos. It's not chaotic today, but that's because we're getting introspective. It it is serious hour. It's sad boy hours. So Anton's <laughs> on the side of the road. A nice man comes <laughs> to help Anton. All I can think of is Anton Shakur as a sad boy. Sad boy. He's like he's just in black vans listening to like cigarettes after sex or something like that. And he's just so I'm, I'm seeing what's like, the I'm seeing like what's, what's the what's, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I see a picture right now that would literally be perfect for sad boy Anton because uh, it's like <laughs> his, his he's sitting down and he's like looking up. He's doing like that that thing that like little kids do when they're trying to be intimidating. When they're like trying oh to look God. at you through their eyebrows, and you're like, Don't, "Okay, that 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 that's real. <laughs> like, that's right, real Timmy. edgy there." <laughs> yeah, no, I just I'm just imagining you'd be like, "What's the most you ever lost over a coin toss?" I lost the girl of my dreams. <laughs> and you're like, you're like, "Oh my God, oh brother!" You're like, "Oh, he's one of these people." I bet you that's what he was like as a teenager. Oh my god. It's just you just all he, he's definitely Anton definitely listened to the Smiths when he was a kid. My man definitely went through a three days grace phase that just oh. kind of kept on going through adulthood. <laughs> oh my god. Jesus. You guys know that energy. You know that energy. <laughs> it's it was it's a it's always Anton's is always a trade-off between like the cure and like Lincoln Park. <laughs> R.I.P. Chester Bennington. So, next scene. Absolutely. Anton's on the side of the road. Nice guy comes to help him. Anton's car battery has died. Anton's like, "Hey, I got an airport." Um, and then he he asks, then Anton asks this this stranger to remove the chicken crates out of the bed of the truck, and he's like, "Oh, why?" Next scene. Next shot is him cleaning out the truck. Um, yeah. That guy driving the chicken crazy, yeah, he 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 definitely did. So, oh yeah, he. Mm-hmm. So next scene, Desert Sands Motel. Moss is walking, and then he starts talking to a woman who's catcalling him, and he does the right thing by saying, "No, I'm not going to come have some beers with you. I have a wife." Good guy, Moss. Mm-hmm. Next scene, Ed <laughs> is driving, and hears gunshots ringing out. Then sees a car or truck driving away then pulls into a motel and we see that same flirting woman that we were talking about earlier dead in the pool dead bodies are scattered everywhere and we see Moss has been killed this kind of goes against what you would expect from a movie like this I I love this. I love this. And I'll tell you why. And this could easily get into old man yells at clouds territory. So I'm doing my best to avoid it. But this is very, this very, this befits the tone of the movie. I feel like a lot of people would be like, would be like, oh no, they killed the good guy. And you go, yes. However, if you, if you look at the tone of the whole movie, the the whole idea is that this isn't haha silly like the good guy wins at the end this is the guy stumbles on something and he is out of his element 
and he bare and he barely escapes from encounters alive. So it kind of just feels like it feels less like like ooh a chase occurs and more like a clock is ticking. Mhm. Like it's not it's not an if, it's a when. Mhm. It's like it's like the movie does a very it, it feels like the movie is very adamant about letting you know that Anton is not the sole person that's chasing Moss at this point. Mm-hmm. Anton may be the driving force. Anton may be the most dangerous force, but there are still other people that are after Moss. And I just that's why I'm like, that's why I'm I kind of love this. Mm-hmm. That while it hurts a lot to to as a viewer to have the person you're kind of rooting for to 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 uh, die, it kind of makes sense in a really interesting way. And the way that the movie then af- then after after he dies, it shifts is also really interesting. Yeah, I can see a lot of people who aren't quite as experienced with the film going world watch this and say i don't like this why would they do that fuck this fuck this movie no 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 and you mentioned something about like they killed the main character but then from the way that it's been presented this is why i think rewatches are so important because mm-hmm. if you really think about it this whole theme the 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 plot may be driven by moss but the story is about Sheriff Bell mm-hmm, and absolutely. his wrangling with generational changes, uh, growing mm-hmm. up, looking back on your life and asking, well, yeah, well, damn, like, ha- ha- has anything changed? Have we always been this violent? And, yeah. you know, there's a, I, this is what, this is one of the reasons why I, I love this movie. It's because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's so many different interpretations. And I know I'm not giving the only interpretation that people have of yeah. this movie. People look at like, oh, the American West, the kill the killing of the, you know, the the white hat to show to signify, oh, here we are in a world with shades of gray. Like there mm-hmm. are yeah, plenty that, of things that I am missing with this. So just yeah, know exactly. that you can you can watch this and have your own interpretation of it. And that's what I really think good cinema is is mike might mm-hmm. pick something up and say oh i see it this way and then i can say oh well i see it this way yeah. and then we can both be right mm-hmm. yeah exactly it's it's it, it, it's so good this is the perfect example of what fantastic cinema can be it's it's movies that leave everyone to come with different come with different ideas out of it and then turn to each other and then discuss it and then mm-hmm. all just sort of like talk mm-hmm. it's and this movie does that masterfully especially with this with this with this powerful of a scene with mm-hmm. moss dying like that is huge and it really it really sort of sort of puts into motion that varying of ideas Mm-hmm. And that varying of viewpoints on how this movie is, because it feels like feels like once the plot driver dies, so to speak, that people begin to sort of formulate, okay, so this is what happens and what that means and all of that. It's fantastic. 
Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. And sometimes evil wins. We'll get into that mm-hmm. later. So it's nighttime. <clears throat> Carla drives up, sees Ed. She can infer what happened and starts crying. So Ed goes to pay his respect at the morgue and then goes to a diner. Ed's talking to another cop and they talk about, oh, money and drugs. And they do this whole, you know, kids these days thing. And this cop yeah. calls Anton a uh, lunatic. And then they, you know, and um, this cop and Ed go their separate ways. Next scene. Ed returns to the crime scene. And the lock has been shot off like the other Anton crime scenes. And we see Anton waiting in the shadows. And it's one of those that Ed knows he's there, but says nothing. And Ed pushes the door open, scans the room, finds blood stains, turns on a light, and sees a latch. And then he notices that the vent is unscrewed. But nothing happens. There's no big gunfight between Ed mm-hmm. and Anton. We just fade to the desert where Ed goes to a hoarder's house in the middle of a field with like seven cats to see a man in a wheelchair named Ellis. Mm -hmm. The lines have spoken here. You're looking older, Ellis says. I am older. I think that's the way that it goes on. So Ed Ed announces like, hey, I'm quitting the force. And they have a conversation about aging getting older, why he's quitting, being overmatched by, you know, criminals these days. I always felt that when I'd get older, God would come into my life, and he didn't. I don't blame him. If I was him, I'd have the same opinion of me that he does. Spoken by Ed. Mm -hmm. Beautiful, beautiful lines. So Ellis yeah. tells the story about um, Uncle Mac, someone watching someone die. And then fade to the next scene. Carla Jean, her mom died. She's getting buried. So Carla Jean returns home after the funeral to find a window open. And Anton waiting in her bedroom. Carla says that she says, hey, I don't have the money. And Anton just says, hey, don't worry about it. And Anton monologues about how Moss gave her instead of trying to save himself. Anton talks about his victims, doing the whole, oh, you don't have to do this. Anton flips a coin and says, call it. But Carla does something that no one else has done. She refuses to call it. Mm -hmm. The coin don't have no say. It's just you. And Anton retorts, I got here the same way the coin did. Now, we don't see what happens, but we see Anton leaving. And Anton, they make it a point to show that Anton checks his boots. Because if yeah. you notice, he doesn't wear his boots when he goes kill when he goes to kill the cartel members. He lifts up his boots to not get blood on them. So we can infer yeah. from this that Anton did indeed kill Carla. Yeah. So now Anton's driving and he, some kids on a bike drive by 
and Anton starts going through a green light when all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he gets T-boned in the middle of the street. Oh, tough when that happens. Dude, it's shocking. No, like we were not expecting mm-hmm. it. Oh yeah, no, no, no. It, it literally comes out of left field. I mm-hmm. first time I watched this, I jumped. I literally jumped in my seat when I saw it. I went, "Oh my god!" Like Jesus Christ, that's unexpected. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's one no, of no, those. No, go like, ahead. No. It's one of those. Like it just it it comes out of nowhere. Kind of like how a lot of the actions that take place in this movie they are just fate. They come at they. There's no rhyme. There's no reason. Things just mm-hmm. happen. So now yeah, Anton exactly. is all bloodied up, and he starts to limp to sit down. And the kids on the bike come over to check on him. And Anton's got a bone sticking out of his arm. And one of the kids even gives Anton a shirt to make a sling out of. And Anton gives the kid a hundred dollars and does the whole "Hey, I was never here." And Anton limps down the street as the kids argue over who gets to keep. The hundred dollar bill. Mm-hmm. Our final scene of the movie is Ed sitting at home. He's finally retired, trying to figure out what he's going to do for the rest of his day. But then his wife comes in and they start talking, and he mentions that he had some dreams last night. This is a beautiful scene where Ed monologues about dreams that he had. He had two dreams, both of which were about his father, but he is now older than his father ever was. He is now the old man. So anyway, the dream is, and his father. One of the dreams was, and his father ride through the snowy mountains in silence. His dad was carrying fire and a horn, and in the dream, he knew he was going to make a fire in the cold, and that his father would be there when Ed got there. And then he woke up, and that's the movie. It's a little mm-hmm. bit of an anticlimactic way to end a movie that a lot of people would say that. But this is the scene that really ties everything together. It wraps it up in a nice mm-hmm. bow with this movie. Oh, yeah. It, 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 it feels like the most befitting end. Because if you're thinking at this past the scene itself, like practically, I don't see where you could tie this up. Given what you, given how you set everything else up. Like, I mean, having Sugar die wouldn't feel right. Showing the death of Olivia also wouldn't feel right. It Having ambiguity also fits how I almost interpreted this whole idea of the movie, which was that things are never that... <laughs> there's a difference between reality and the good and, and good. Like the good would, would have Moss triumph over everyone. Like Sheriff bell, like high fives Moss and goes, keep the change champ. And like everyone rides off into the distance, but reality doesn't work like that. And I think that really works in with bell and all of the reminiscing that he, or not the reminiscing, but the looking back, that he does throughout the entire movie, which is under, which is realizing that things going into it aren't as black and white as they are, or as they, as, as you want them to be as reality begins to set in as things don't go the way you in your brain want them to go. Mm -hmm. You become more and more acutely aware of the fact that 
this is just how things are. So it kind of is a befitting end to have him sit there and just tie things together with this like dream of him and his father and this idea of knowing that he's going to be setting up this 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 fire. Mm-hmm. But not actually him describing the process of setting up the fire. It's mm-hmm. sort of it, it's it's like the movie gives you the reins and says guide it yourself. Not mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't lead you to the water, doesn't make you drink the water. All it does is it sits there and hands you the reins and goes go do it. Like mm-hmm. it's it's kind of fantastic in that way. Yeah, it's it really I do find it interesting that at the beginning he talks about the sheriffs that oh they wouldn't you know they wouldn't and ever even war guns but then immediately later talks about sending a kid to the electric chair now to be fair they don't say when this is but then later when one of the sheriff's friends is talking about people with green hair and bones sticking out of the nose and how the whole violent nature of this film is it's really interesting about how they talk about like generational change, how they're like, Hey, I'm, you know, I need to make a change in this world. But then when you get to the end, you're like, has anything changed? And you're like, no, no, no. Like you are now the old Mm -hmm. man, you know, talking to the young man, trying to, you know, get through the, get through this day, trying to make an Mm -hmm. impact. But then eventually the young become the old. And despite, you know, all of your, you know, trying all of your, you know, work towards trying to put up the good fight to make it a better place at the end of the day, it's just, it's still going to be there. Yeah. It's things just stay the same. Yeah. The more like the more generational change you try to make, the more things are just going to stay the same in terms of like violence. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's, it's just so fascinating. That's what I love about movies like this. Because you because you're able to sit there and walk away from the movie and you and you know, in your heart of hearts, you in in you walk away with this idea and you believe this to be like how the movie is sort of. Imparting this like idea to you or like this like theme. When in real and you think that this is just you're like, yeah, that's just that makes sense to me when in reality, you and the person you just watched it with come out with two completely different ideas. Mm-hmm. And that's just fantastic that that even afterwards, even after the movie ends, that you and the person next to you don't go, okay, cool, that was a movie, and then you just get in your car and go home. It's you turn to each other and you go, okay, I thought this, and then they go, well, I thought this, and then you both go, that's so fascinating. Like, that's all. That's what I love about movies like this. It's just it lets you discuss and it it has all of these themes and it's just oh, great. Chef's kiss. A thematic explanation or like just having a theme, having an idea behind your story that people can go to and come away with, you know, different interpretations. That's really what's going to set your movie apart. It's what's going to make it go from like being a movie to being film, to being cinema. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really amazing. And I wanted to just mention one line that Ellis says when he's talking to 
Ed about, you know, Ed's talking about his problems, you know, talking about being the older man. Ellis says, what you got ain't nothing new. This country's hard on people. You can't stop what's coming. It ain't all waiting on you. That's vanity. Yeah. My man Ellis mm-hmm. just kill it, just destroying people's <laughs> main character energy. Absolutely. <laughs> Ellis. <laughs> Ellis just takes every, every Ellis makes sure everyone knows where they stand. <laughs> yeah. Well, dude, man, this has been this has been a great film to talk about. Oh, I loved going God, through I this love and it. I loved I loved revisiting it and thinking oh like, you know, instead of just the schlock that we've talked about, having things, you know, be a little bit quieter and not beating you over the head with it allowing the audience to (laughs) figure things out i love that yeah it's yeah exactly it is it's good what i love about just like doing this like hangover trilogy is that is that there's it's 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 real it's it's sort of sticking your head above the water and realizing that there's a yin to the yang Mm -hmm. for all of the schlock where it's where it's they're beating you over the head with these themes and being like and being like this person a is bad instead it's just letting you sit there and come to these conclusions and and just sitting there and going okay okay i think that this is what happened and that someone else goes well i think that this happened and that that's not a bad thing Mm-hmm. That it isn't that that you're understanding that like the that the movie allows you to think for yourself and come come to your own conclusions. It just it's such a breath of fresh air. <laughs> oh, God. oh God, dude, it that it is. And we're gonna be getting back to the schlock next week, guys. Oh. But th- but thank you for oh. sticking with us um through mm-hmm. this hangover mm-hmm. month. We're going to be getting, you're going to get back to hearing us suffer, hearing us talk about, you know, how bad this movie is and how much it makes us want to, I don't know, bleach our eyeballs or something. Yeah, cry. Exactly. That's a good one. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, we're going to be getting back to the normal stuff next week, guys. But thank you so much for listening to this this introspective episode of the Messed Up at Midnight podcast. Be sure to go follow us on social Mm -hmm. media, Instagram, Twitter. YouTube, you guys know all of this. Go f- go follow us. You're not going to be disappointed. Absolutely not. And and Mike, what what do you do you have any do you have any any words? <sighs> uh open discussion after filming after after watching a film is encouraged. Yes. Always discuss yes. always yes. discuss with your buddies what you thought of the film and what you thought the themes were. You'd be surprised how awesome those conversations are. Uh, Honestly, like I'm surprised we haven't said that one yet, but guys definitely, definitely go do that one. Mm -hmm. All right, guys. Well, see y'all next week. See you next week, everybody.